0: Hey, welcome to Kingsway Caringbah. We are a community inspired by love to live differently. I'm Dave, one of the pastors here. It's so great to have you with us. We pray this teaching will inspire you, build your faith, and lead you to a life of fullness and freedom in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. And as Dave was speaking about, I feel very emotional right now. Um, You know, our Beyond Giving is not just about raising money, and that's obviously a big part of it, (laughs) but it is about supporting uh, our family, and our family in Cambodia are doing it tough, Um, For those of you who don't know, we have a church in Phnom Penh. We have three Kingsway churches, Sea Change, Denali, and here and then in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. And where the church is situated in Phnom Penh is what uh, they call a red zone uh, due to COVID. And so the whole area has been in extreme, basically, military lockdown um, for about six weeks now. I think they've just come out of that um, this week. And so it's been really tough um, on our community there, on our family there, on uh, Panet Shrey pike who pastor uh, our church in Cambodia. And, you know, one of the, um, I guess, one of the the problems and what's happened because of COVID, because they, they they did great for 12 months, but the last three months they've just had this massive outbreak. Um and because of that, they've locked down communities uh, like where our church is situated there because it's situated in one of the poorer areas of Cambodia, uh, in North Phnom Penh. And what it's meant is that people have just lost – no one's got jobs. People have lost their jobs. Uh, they can't even afford to buy food. And these are people in our church. And, um, you know, I was talking to Panet this week, had a meeting with the team there, and it's been really tough, and they're trying to use the extra money that they have to be able to generate and buy food just so that they can feed the families that are part of our Kingsway Church in Phnom Penh. And so please be praying for them, and uh, be mindful that you know in our Beyond Giving, they are one of our our key partnerships that we support over there, and so I encourage you to be thinking about uh, the part that you can play in that because the need is real, And I know it is in other partnerships with our Kingsway Care, with uh, Hands at Work in Africa, Um, with all the partnerships that we have, the need is real and critical. But um, I guess for me personally, my relationship, and I know uh, a number of you have been with me on trips to our church over there, uh, it's really hard to hear and to see what they're walking through in this season Um, and the depth of, I guess, suffering and loss and uh, struggle and so um, grateful that Panette and Shrey Pike they're always so positive about everything praising God for the opportunity to <laughs> do this and do that it's like yeah wow okay um, but yeah be praying for them I think uh, that'd be that would be great actually I'm going to get Jeff to come and pray for him he's been over there one of our elders and uh has hung out with these guys so yeah do you want to just pray god's blessing on them that'd be awesome thanks lord we thank you that our um, our family is so wide your family is so wide and um stretches across to cambodia and um, right now we ask that uh somehow our arms can reach around them and to uh to share with them the the depth of your love lord we just pray for your miraculous provision um lord just pray for strength for the leaders to just uh have the wisdom to know what you've given them and how to to give it out to others and to uh to be the blessing that your church is called to be and is uh we just thank you so much for the partnership we have with them and that uh we can do life with them amen Awesome. Um, so Dave uh, gave me this topic of, you know, movement of radical inclusion. And when I first read that, I went, yes, you know, this is, this is one of my passions, you know, um, you know, and I think it flows out of my heart for unity. Those of you that know me, I've always been really passionate about uh, unity in the church, but also in the wider church. And this whole idea of inclusion is something that God has been challenging and stirring stuff in me, particularly over the last two or three years. And, but what I found is that the more I delved into this, the more I'm like, meh, maybe someone else should preach this. <laughs> it's a really challenging topic. Um, and I feel like today I'm not really sort of doing a preach, I'm more having a chat. Is that all right? Because I feel like I, I ended this kind of last two weeks and wrestling with this topic, and I brought it to my life group and got their wisdom, and it was all right, but that was good. But what it, what it left me realizing is that I don't actually have all the answers, and you know, I like to have the answers. Um, I like to be, you know, certain about what I'm doing and where I'm going, and you know what I'm saying. But what it left me realizing is there's still so much I don't know. <laughs> what I do know is that Jesus called His church to radical inclusion, and what that looks like and how that plays out, like the practicalities of that for us, I believe for the church over the last 2,000 years has been one of the most challenging pieces of what it means to be God's church. There's been a lot more exclusion (laughs) over the years. And so my prayer today is that, yes, you would be challenged, But you would be encouraged because when I look at who we are as a community of faith, I am encouraged by our heart of inclusion. And so some of what I say today is more maybe reflective of the bigger picture church, but I know that there's also challenges in here for us because I was challenged uh, a lot in sort of preparing and and thinking about this. You know, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, I do a little bit of work with an organisation called the Reach Foundation who work with young people in mainly Victoria and New South Wales. And they run workshops in schools around a whole range of different stuff. And they use um, this activity. It's based a, out of a movie called Freedom Riders, which is a great movie if you ever haven't watched it. encourage you to watch it. Uh, true story. Um, and there's an activity they do in the movie, and they do this activity in the REACH workshops that we do for Year 7 through to 12, and it's called Step to the Line. And it's really simple, you know, they get two lines and the imaginary line down the middle and like, you know, step to the line if you prefer Pepsi over Coke, you know, and it starts off pretty simple. Or, you know, if you put your tomato sauce in the fridge or the cupboard, you know, and they have these debates about what is best. But then obviously it gets more serious as it goes on, you know, step to the line if you've ever experienced bullying in school. So the, the, the progression of creating this space of safe vulnerability. What I notice uh, in that exercise, I sometimes am in the workshops to observe. Um, I don't run the workshops because it's all youth-led, um, but I'm there. Part of my role is to coach and train the young people in running the workshops, so I'm there doing performance reviews on our, on our crew, um, is that quite often, People in line hesitate to step to the line until someone else has done it. Makes sense, right? So they're waiting for maybe the key influencer or their friend, or maybe even, you know, the person that actually bullies them to see where they step before they wanna step in. And I was reflecting on that in my own kind of journey. I remember when I was about 12 years old, I was pretty pretty much a nerd at school. Um, I wasn't part of the cool kids. And uh, I really wanted to be a cool kid and I wanted to be in the cool kid group. And I started to become friends with this guy who was kind of like in the cool group. And I'm thinking, oh, this is my way in. I'm finally going to, you know, make it into the cool group. And I remember one day, I can't remember how it turned out, but the reason I remember this because I think I have like post-traumatic stress from from guilt because he asked me what my dad did for a living. Uh, And for those of you who don't know, my dad was a pastor And he passed it here for a while, but predominantly in Victoria. And I said, my dad's a truck driver. Shame. (laughs) Why did I do that? Because I wanted to belong. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be included. I wanted to be part of the group, and I thought in my head at the time that if they knew that my dad was a pastor, that, that you know, the cool kids wouldn't think that was cool, and so I'd be excluded. Because one of the basic human needs that we have is to belong, you know, it's it, we crave it, we crave this sense of belonging, we, we are motivated, our behavior, you know, flows out of this desire to belong. And we protect it. You know, we, when we do belong, we protect that sense of belonging. And none of that is bad, by the way. It's how we're created. We're created to belong, to be in relationship with be to be part of a group, to be part of a gang, to be part of whatever it is that we want to be part of. I mean, what brings young people into gangs, what brings young people into teams is that sense of that need that desire that that absolute essential part of who we are to belong to a group what lengths have you gone to in your life to belong to be included to be accepted Or what lengths have you gone to to protect your belonging? As I said, human beings are created to belong. And because of that, I believe, over the last 2,000 years, when you look back at the history of the church, we've become more exclusive than inclusive. And the reason I believe that is, is because we are afraid of our belonging being threatened. So it's actually easier for me to exclude and protect my belonging than it is to include and threaten it. You know, if you look through the story of Jesus, and, you know, we're exploring some of the concepts in Acts at the moment. And, you know, in Acts 1, when Jesus says, you know, receive power from the Holy Spirit. It's going to come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What he was saying is this is an inclusive gospel. This is an inclusive community. Now, those words to us, I'm not sure how they penetrate our being, but To Jews, that would have been a threatening message. You know, the Jews felt they were the chosen ones, and some of them felt they were the only ones. You know, I think some ways that battle continues on today. But Jesus said that's not how the gospel of grace and love and Jesus is. It's a gospel of inclusion, not exclusion. It's the gospel of not me saying, I'm right and you're wrong. Or I'm in and you're out. You know the line? (laughs) Who's in? And we see in Acts and in the gospels about Jesus' life, constantly exploring this gospel of radical inclusion. In Acts 8, we see when Philip goes to Samaria. Now, I mean, that in and of itself is a a strange and uncomfortable and out there thought that a Jew would go to Samaria to bring the gospel and that people would feel that sense of inclusion as Gentiles, so non-Jews are brought into relationship with Jesus. But we also see the struggle of that through the Bible, particularly in the letters that Paul writes to the different churches. They're still struggling with this idea of unity and inclusion. That's why Paul says, you know, in, in Galatians 3, he says, you know, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female because you are all one in Jesus Christ. He's still addressing this same issue of inclusion, saying you've got to get the walls down, get rid of the lines in the sand, and open your hearts and your lives to everybody around you. As controversial as this may sound, I'm curious to know if Paul penned that verse today, whether he might say there is neither Republican nor Democrat, liberal nor Labor, black nor white, gay nor straight, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. What we love about inclusion is that it's safe. Exclusion, I should say. It's simpler. It's black and white. Here's the line. It controls. It contains. It kind of can promote this sense of superiority. I'm better than you. I'm right. You are wrong. And as I said earlier, then we become fearful that if I become inclusive, I threaten the very belonging that I crave. And this is what has kind of mess with my head for the last two weeks because I desperately want to be a follower of Jesus and I want us to be a church that lives out radical inclusion. I also want to protect our sense of who we are and our belonging. And so I'm challenged because I know this is where I need to be and where I need to live. But because of my own fear, I find myself sometimes here, wanting to control and contain and protect what makes me feel safe, what makes me feel comfortable, what makes me feel okay. But when I look at the life of Jesus, I can't live that. And that doesn't mean we can't protect what we have. And we don't, obviously, means we can't speak into bad behavior. But when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus invited in the tax collector, hated. The Samaritan, despised. The prostitute, the Gentile, the woman. Everywhere he went, he invited people in who were excluded And he included them. That is radical inclusion. You know, in Micah 6, 8, it says this simply, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to do, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You can't do that whilst being exclusive. And as I said, when I look at our community of faith, I'm encouraged by our heart for inclusion. Are we there yet? Probably not. Am I there yet? Definitely not. (laughs) Because I think it is a massive challenge because it threatens my comfort. And that's what's happened over the last 2,000 years in the church. It's threatened people's comfort zones, their safety, their security, and their sense of belonging, so they make a decision to exclude rather than invite people in that are not like them, that don't believe the same things they believe, that don't behave the same way that they think we should behave. Fearful of what might happen to our world. Our safety. Because inclusion is messy. Sometimes inclusion is just kind of this ugly mess of bleh. There's a lot of grey area. I mean, who else doesn't like grey area? I much prefer the black and white. It's much simpler, much more defined, much clearer. I'm here, you're there. I'm in, you're out. I'm right, you're wrong. Inclusion, it's all kind of gray. It's like, eh, who's right? Anyway, you know, and I spoke about this earlier in the year in a message I spoke about personal truth. And it's the same thing because, you know, I have my personal truth that I believe is the truth. But what I have learned over 50-something years is that my personal truth isn't always the truth. But if I think it is, I will exclude, I will judge, I will hold out, I will control, I will condemn. And so my challenge for me personally is every conversation I have, every moment of interaction with another person, I go into that with the assumption and the belief that I actually could be wrong. That's not easy to do. And I'm certainly not saying I am wrong. I'm just open to the possibility that I might be. Because what I do know is that in 30 years, what I believed to be true 30 years ago is different to what I believe to be true today. So therefore, I, how can I know? I am absolutely right. And that you're absolutely wrong. I don't. And as soon as I think that, I will exclude, I will control, I will shut out. Inclusion is unpredictable. It is uncertain. It is often chaotic. But it is the call on the church. You know, I'm challenged by the text in Matthew 5. Jesus talks about, you know, you've heard, you know, love, your. What is it, love your brothers and hate your enemies? And he says, no, no, I want to tell you something different. I want you to love everybody, including the enemies. And then he goes on to say this. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good or the bad, the nice or the nasty, the same as me or the different from me, the in or the out. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? <laughs> Anyone can do that. He kind of sums it up in the message version, verse, 20, uh, verse 48. He says, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives toward you. So, one of the questions I've wrestled with this week, and Jen and I were talking about this on Fridays. We went for a drive down the South Coast. How do we hold space? with others who have opposing views to ours and still be inclusive? Does anyone know? (laughs) How do we hold space, love, be kind, invite in, be inclusive to those who hold opposing views to us, think differently to us, look differently to us, act differently to us? have different theology to us. Oh there's three things that came into my mind as I was praying about this, and I've sort of touched on them, a couple of them already. The first is, we need to fear less and love more. And I, as I said, this sounds maybe like it could be easy. <laughs> But it's sometimes really tough to live that out. But to fear less and love more. The Bible tells us that, you know, love is the antidote. Love is the practice and the action that drives out all fear. So we need to learn what it means for us as followers of Jesus to fear less and love more. To fear Our little comfort zone and safety and what we've become familiar and what we feel is okay and embrace everything outside of that with love. As I said, I believe the reason that we become exclusive is because of the fear about how our belonging is going to be impacted, how Being inclusive will affect me, will affect us. And they're not bad questions. But if we live a life driven by our fear and not driven by love, we're not going to end where I believe Jesus wants us to end. So fear less, love more. I think judge less and see more. I think it's very, very easy for human beings to judge others. We all do it. I do it by what we see, what we hear, what we're told. And I've been really challenged, particularly in the last year, that I need to judge less and see more. And what I mean by that is actually begin to see people how God sees people, not how Brett sees people. And lastly, I would say we need to talk less and listen more. You know, I've tried to adopt this little mantra in the conversations I have with people, whether they're about faith or their life or their, or their background, and that is to listen, learn, and love. I don't always get that right because again by nature i want to give my opinion and i want to give my advice i want to tell you what i think i want to convince you i want you to believe what i believe so that we're both safe but i believe if we want to be radical movement of inclusion we need to talk less and listen more to hear people's stories their perspectives their journeys, their whys and go into those conversations, as I said, with this, I'm okay with being wrong. I'm okay with not having all the answers. I'm okay with wrestling through this subject or this theological debate or this opinion with you in love as I learn and listen to you and as you learn and listen from me and we make that path together. That's gray, right? It's not black and white. And it's a massive challenge for us and I believe it's a massive challenge for the church in general. When you look back over the church and even through how the church continued to split and divide and People would leave and people would come, and churches would split. And I mean, there's, it's, it's all about belonging. It's all about our need to belong with people who agree with us. And Jesus constantly lived outside of that. And he demonstrated what it means to love and to live outside of that and to live this life of inclusivity. And it is radical and it is messy and it is uncomfortable and it will hurt and it will threaten our comfort zones, but it is who I believe God is calling us to be. Let me pray. Jesus, I want to thank you that you lived this incredible life of inclusion and love And as we sang before, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. And I believe that with all of my heart. And you live that out with such compassion, with such a heart to invite people in regardless of who they were, where they were from, what they thought, how they'd lived. And I pray that we would be challenged, that we would be stirred And that we would be encouraged to live that out. That we would fear less and love more. That we would judge less and see more. And that we would talk less and listen more. I pray that we'd be guided by your spirit and by your presence. Because this is a love of another kind. It's not something I can do in my strength. It's something where I absolutely 100% need you, God, to fill me and empower me to love like that. To love with inclusivity, to love without fear, to love without judgment. Pray that we would all continue to grow up and live out our God created identity. Let's stand and worship God together. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. If you'd like to connect with us, make a financial gift, or find out more about Kingsway churches, head to kingsway.org. Have a good one.